Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Wes, welcome back. How's it going today, my man? Absolutely amazing, Chris. How you doing? I'm always good. You know this. But in a previous episode, I know we had a couple conversations. I'm going to jump right into this, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. We promised to go more in detail on approaching the first call with everyone. Precisely how to frame questions to learn more about the customer to produce you know, better results. In it a day, that's what we're all here to do is to make money, but not just make money, but changing lives. That's the only way we can do this in a podcast is that we're giving someone a different perspective on how to look at approaching that first call. So many people get hung up on, but sometimes it's not what they're saying, it's how they're saying it with their tonality. Would you agree to that? I would. I would. It's it's the I would almost say the nonverbal as well. Right. So let's cut the bullshit. So if you're listening to this guys, you may want to grab a pen and piece of paper because we're about to share with you most sales trainers for a number of reasons, and I won't that's a whole other topic, won't share. Wes, I'm going to create a scenario. Let's kick this off the right way. I want you to actually tell me and share with the listeners what goes through your mind when I say something. But let me paint a picture real quick. Let's say someone called your office, your business, or someone walked in the front door of one of your establishments and says to you, let me get myself ready for this. Hello, my name is Chris Ross. I'm with TCR and we are a consulting agency. What pops out to you? Well, the first thing that pops out to me is you told me where you're from, but I'm still saying to myself, who's <laughs> who's this fucking clown? I'll be honest, that's exactly what I'm saying to myself. Who's this clown? But why do people rush into telling people who they are and where they're from and what they're trying to do? Because they, they, to them, it's all about their script, right? Like, this is what I have to say so I can transition into blah, 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 right? They, there's not, they forget the human element. Mm-hmm. It's just all about how can I get through this as quickly as possible. Right. So let's think about this for the buyer. So if I'm call, you're calling me and we'll reverse it, like do the same little introduction. Hi, Chris. This is uh, Wes with uh, ABC Company. How are you? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm doing good. It's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people do this. I would say roughly around 70% of salespeople, that's how they start their calls off with. Guarantee you. I listen to a lot of calls. You know this. But the main thing is, is everyone needs to understand 
on a buyer's perspective, what they're hearing is everything that you're not doing. As a salesperson, you need to understand that your first impression is never going to, you're never going to have a chance to give that first impression off ever again, ever. If you're calling a secretary or calling a business, it's the same way. You need to be able to establish trust and actually have a normal conversation. Why is it so hard for people to understand that piece, do you think? A lot of it comes from, one, their own insecurity. Uh, but two, it's it's they're, they're already nervous about the interaction. Mm -hmm. right? So it's not that confidence piece is a lot of times is not there where as if you see somebody who's been doing it for a very long time is confident in their role, they'll just get up and just start, you know, start a conversation with that person, right? They just like just any other person, like if you're standing in the, in the line at a coffee shop and you strike up a conversation, they'll just start striking up a conversation. Salespeople in general are supposed to be naturally confident. Would you agree? They have to be. But confidence comes from experience. So that's a double-edged sword. Anyway, you look at it. So if I just hired a new salesperson, how do I train them to become confident? It's really just all about how they view themselves, right? And of course, there's there's a few different layers to that as well. It's not just, yes, I can be confident in myself, but that doesn't always mean I'm confident in my role. And so a lot of the times it's understanding what the other side is truly looking for and understanding the buyer themselves and then having a good understanding of what it is that you do, right? You're, so if you don't have the experience, the question is, how can you at least have the knowledge or gain that knowledge to be able to solve the solution that the other person is really looking for? Right. And then about understanding it so well that they can't really throw curveballs at you because you always know how to counteract. Remaining neutral is a big part of it, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you need to, you know, because your your main thing is there to help, right? How can I help? How can I serve? And that should be your approach with anybody that you're, you know, any of the prospects that you're going after. So if I called you, Wes, and said, hello, this is Chris Ross. How's your day going so far? Yeah, there's a lot more energy there. I'm going to be like, good, Chris, how are you? Not bad. I mean, but I would say fantastic, but that depends on this phone call. Right. It's a different way of looking at it. But here's the thing. You always got to remember to be positive, but not overly positive and listen on how they respond when you say, how's your day going so far? How are you doing? Go fuck yourself Tuesday. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm actually listening and I'm going to use all my senses. Obviously on a phone call, you only have one sense you can use and that's sound. But I'm going to actually listen to you, Wes, when, you, when I say, how are you doing? How's your day going so far? I'm actually going to listen to you. Right. Why is that so important to listen to that first line of that introduction? Because that's going to, well, one for you, that's going to tell you exactly where you need to go with it. Right. So if, if, for example, if I'm like, well, I'm all right, Chris, how are you? You know, or, I'm all right. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Right. Maybe, there, maybe there is something wrong, right? Maybe, maybe I'm not in a position to actually want to take this call. Or maybe I just got yelled at for 10 minutes. Right. And now I'm answering this phone call. Right. I mean, we, we don't know what's going on. Here's a, here's another way of looking at it. I like to try to visualize and put myself and close my eyes while I'm on a call, not to sound creepy and, you know, may give it an impression that I'm trying to put myself there next to them. But actually I am, I'm trying to visualize what their office looks like. That's what you're trying to do eventually. Right. Is trying to put yourself in their shoes. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So if I said, you said to me, I'm doing all right. Just all right? What's going on with that? I mean, you should be doing better than that. Why just all right, Wes? Or not knowing your name. Like, why just all right? 
And a lot of people, they try to be overly positive or ignoring what the other person is saying to them. So in another piece, a lot of salespeople, younger salespeople, maybe it's the millennials, I don't know, they'll use the word awesome. <laughs> I hate that fucking word. I hate that word in sales calls. I hate it. Drives me nuts. They'll go awesome. I like to use words like fantastic, great, wonderful, amazing, blessed. These are the words you should be using because what is those? What is those words that I'm using? I'm choosing the right vocabulary, correct? Yeah, those are highly positive and empowering words. Correct. Okay. So if you're looking at it as a customer, a buyer, if I asked you, how are you doing? And you said, I'm doing all right. I'm like, wonderful. Right. That means you don't, you don't care. Right. And a lot of us, I mean, a lot of us do that in the beginning when we're first getting started and we're trying to go off of a script, right. Or we're trying to go through the interaction. We don't quite understand that human element yet that comes with that comes with sales. And I, I, I mean, I'll be completely real. I did that when I was first getting started. And I remember one time, I'm not going to say what this person said to me, but I asked them that question and they said something that actually was not good at all. And I said, awesome. So I actually fell victim <laughs> to what you just said. <laughs> I said, awesome. I'm like, what the hell did I just say? I, I can't believe I just said awesome to that. So yeah, really actually listening into what that person is saying mm -hmm. is critical. And just remember, this is a human interaction. It's not a script. Okay. So let's try this again, right? So ring, ring, answer the phone. Hello. Hello, this is Chris Ross. How's it going today, my man? I'm all right. How are you? Not bad. You sound really kind of guarded. What's going on? Uh, it's just tough day. <laughs> tough day. Tough day. What? Why so tough? Uh, just a lot, a lot going on. You have, um, you know, just a lot going on in the office today. But you see what I did right from the beginning. I removed the frame. Yeah. I'm noticing that you're a little guarded. So I say it. A lot of people won't do that. Right. Or they'll jump into reason for my call today. If you recall, you requested some information from our company, blah, 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 blah. That's not the way to go. You have to make sure that you're actually talking to a real person. If you're calling someone, just say, hypothetically speaking, their name is Julie. But if I said, hey, Julie, how's it going today? This is Chris Ross. Well, I'm okay. Uh, oh, great, Julie. And then reason for my call today, and they go right into it. Well, enjoy the fact that you just met Julie. Enjoy that piece. Right. Say, Julie, you seem like a really nice person. I mean, would others say that about you? I'm like, uh, I, who the fuck is this calling me? You know right. what I mean? Like, that's what they're going to, you know, that's how they're going to feel. But you need to remove that and make them feel comfortable. Well, an important piece of that, too, is that um, don't be afraid if somebody asks you, who are you? Right. If you tell them who, who you are and you just dig right into it and they're like, wait, who are you? That's actually a good thing. I mean, it's not who I am. It's what I'm here to do for you. <laughs> right. Right. So, <laughs> but you got to have your rebuttals ready. My old, one of my old sales managers years ago, I think, I think it was over 10 years now showing my age, Wes, I'm showing my age, but he used to tell me, he's like, have your rebuttals ready, have them. What is a normal thing for someone to say to you and have your rebuttal? So I used to have a list of rebuttals and those, that was one of the things that I would come back with when someone say, who are you? And I was like, it's not who I am. It's what I'm here to do for you. <laughs> Uh, it's hilarious. Great. Hello, Julie. Relax. I'm not calling for to know your blood type or anything, but the reason for my call is I seen that you requested some information for my company and I get the amazing job of being able to share it with you. Let's not make this weird and go right into it. I'm using my personality and everybody has their own style and it's important to have a script. Script is just an outline, but the main thing is what I'm trying to transfer is my energy to be positive, and I'm trying to enlighten them with the information I'm going to share. 
but I'm going to make it worth their while and want to have a conversation with me or at least be open to share information with myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, and it's important too, for people to realize as well is that, you know, depending on, so we're talking about a call here that the person requested information. Um, and if there's a scenario where, well, there are a lot of times in cold calling, there's a scenario where the person has maybe not necessarily has asked for that information. It's important that you get that piece first, that you grab that piece of them being interested or actually wanting the information first before you know you go on. So I want to just add that little tidbit in there just in case people didn't understand that piece. Yeah. I'm going to actually share with you something that actually really happened. I walked into this company one time and I really liked the the information they had outside, it, it really attracted my attention. As I was walking past Wes, it was like a little one of those little shopping centers. And as I was walking past, I was like, man, I'm going to give a little bit of feedback. I like when companies give me feedback. So I'm going to walk inside and actually ask for their manager and tell them what I thought. I thought it was great and it enticed me and it actually made it, it was welcoming. I thought that maybe this is a company that I should walk into. It was a pretty cool little store. I wanted to share that. Have you ever done something like that before? Oh, when I, yeah, when I see something great or something that actually like made me want to do something, I always, I praise whoever it is. I mean, it's important. I mean, I love feedback. Even when it's negative feedback, I learn so much from that, you know, as a, as a business owner and whatnot. But when I walked through the front door, this lady was sitting there and I said, you could tell that she was a little stressed answering a bunch of phone calls. I mean, who, everyone hates it if they lived in a call center, right? Or worked in a call center. There's a bunch of phones ringing. It's chaotic in the front, but that's the person. It's the first front line of what a company sees. So it's a completely different impression now. It's changing the way that I, lo- I looked at that business because from the outside looking in, it looked like a great establishment. But when I walked to the front door, it was chaotic. It, it was things running around. There was two kids running around, like trying to find a bathroom. There was slamming like one of the little presentation boards. You ever seen those like little flyers and knocking down stuff on a table? It was awful. Yeah. But where do you think my mind started to shift? Well, your experience completely changed from the moment you walked through the door. And so now you're, now you're thinking more from a critique standpoint or objectively on, you know, what needs to happen for this to get better because now it's actually not as good as you actually thought it was. So I said to the person, I said, I said, listen, I don't want to take up a lot of your time, but my name is Chris and I was walking past your establishment and some things jumped out to me and I own a couple of different businesses. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but I would like to speak to the person in charge. I don't know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was her response. That's what I'm trying to try to communicate on this call in this podcast is that it's not about what you say it's how you say it, but then it's also the perception. So if you're in an establishment or you're in a company or whatever it is, there's a lot of different senses that people can use to be able to understand or make come to their own opinion about who you are, what the company is about and whatever it is. But if, if it's a salesperson, especially phone sales, this is a great plus for you. You can call and be whoever you want to be, but it's not being whoever you want to be as an unethically. It's about be calling a being who you are. So you need to set up yourself and position yourself as the authority and being a trusted authority figure and not being coming out across like a dreaded salesperson, like, a, like an asshole trying to sell you something. I've never sold to someone something that they didn't want, Wes. And I'm actually proud to say that over about you know 12 to 15 years in sales, I never sold something to someone they didn't want. Not a lot of people can say that. However, 
I've sold things to people that they didn't use, if that makes sense. What's the difference? Well, the, the difference is your position in all of this, right? I mean, if you if somebody wants something and you sell it to them, now you did good by that person, right? You did right by that person as long as you had great intentions. If they don't use it, that's on them, right? So it's that control factor, right? You can control that piece. And if they want it, you offer it to them, you sell it to them, so on and so forth. But what they do with it at that point, that's completely on them. I mentioned on a couple of different um, episodes, Wes, with you that I took over a new contract recently. And one of the things that I not able to do, considering I do live in London now, so I have to do a lot of my businesses virtually, is that I'm not able to go into a, a company and sit down and observe things inside their own sales organization. It's one of the hardest parts. But one of the things I love to do is shopping a business and going in and pretending I'm a potential customer and just observing. But if you're able to do that, you'll learn so much about a sales team and a company because I'm able to diagnose problems, potential problems, and I'm going to end up guessing how much money they're making, but not in earnings, how much money they're making and then losing in the same day. And that's more impactful for a new business owner or it could be you know, a sales leader or whatnot and how much money they're actually potentially losing by the way that they're looking and the way that they're giving off an impression of who they are in, in the marketplace. Have you ever done something like that before and observed a company and just sitting inside? I mean, anyone could do this, just even a buyer. Yeah, I used to actually shop my competitors. Mm. Uh, and so I would go to people who were like my direct competitors and I'd just pretend to be a customer. And because I wasn't just looking at what they're doing and how I can help them. I was, I was, cause that's not what it was for, but I was looking at it from the sense that what are they doing that maybe I need to be looking at doing myself or doing better, you know, or is there, is there, do they have a weakness there that I can also, um, you know, expose as well. Right. So that's kind of a ruthless game, but it's, uh, that's, that's the, that's how much I cared about my craft. Right. So I go to different, you know, competitors and, you know, being able, but if you're going to do it from the sense that you're looking to help that person, mm-hmm. I mean, I, if you walked into a business, if you walked into my business right now and you're a salesperson and you said, Hey, Hey, my name is John. I'm with ABC company. I just noticed the way that you may be losing half a million dollars mm-hmm. in your business right now. I'm going to be inclined to listen to you, right? Cause now I have a reason mm-hmm. and you can't, and you're extremely confident, you know, but if you came and said, Hey, uh, this is John. I'm from ABC company. How are you? Know, how are you today? Right. And you're just kind of like, you know, coming on to me that way. And I don't even know who you are. I'm going to say you're wasting my time. Right. But if you're going to come to me and tell me, what can you help? Like, you're going to tell me what you can help me with potentially. You know, and uh, that's, that has nothing to do with the, how are you part, right? If you come and ask me, how are you? And you, you're presentable, you're confident, I'm going to answer you. And then you can go right into that. Right. But it depends on how you're coming across. And back to what you said, it's how, how you're saying it, you know, how are you coming across to me? Right. So if you say, Hey, this is a John from ABC company. How are you today, Wes? I'm going to say, good, how are you? And you're going to say, oh, that's fantastic. I'm good. That's fantastic that you're doing good as well. Hey, I just noticed a way uh, when I was, I was out there just observing a little bit, and I don't mean to be coming across as, you know, uh, you know, like I'm sitting here critiquing or anything, but just happened to notice, you know, I, I think there might be a way that I can save you half a million dollars in your business today based off of the marketing that I'm seeing. It, would it be okay with you if I kind of share a little bit more about that? Right. And then I'm going straight into it. Right. That's a whole different dynamic at this point. And I'm going to be more inclined to listen. Well said. Just to kind of piggyback on that piece, if everyone can listen to what he's actually saying and what he's not saying, he's going to provoke their mind to start thinking about what he said with an open-ended question, but he's not going to give the solution yet. 
Why is that so important, Wes? Not exposing a solution. Oh, well, now you just pretty much gave them all your ammo. Right. Right. Their, their, their doubt and maybe themselves or maybe the things that they're not doing or things that they don't quite understand is your ammunition. Right. Right. So, and it's, that's that control piece and you have to keep that control. Right. And keeping control on a phone call. And we hear a lot of the old sales trainers and you know, traditional sales that they would say, keep your composure and keep in control, which, you know, I would agree. However, a really confident salesperson lives in the silence mode. I like to, I can have a, I have a whole training. You've heard it. Uh, how I'm able to use silence in my tonality and saying nothing on a phone call and getting so much results from it because people get so uncomfortable on a phone call being silent. And I don't really like awkward silences in my personal life. I'm an asshole inside of an elevator that speaks to you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm always that asshole. Like, uh, like four, please. No, I'm like, man, I'm like, it is raining outside. Like, goodness gracious, cat and dogs. I'm like, why is it always raining in London? I hate London. The point that I'm making with you is in sales, it's important to have confidence. What helped me be able to have that and be able to use that against every person I talked to is that I wanted to actually understand the problem thoroughly and be able to be able to diagnose the situation and then close them on their own situation. You're going to have to really listen to what a customer is saying to you and what they're not saying to you. Does that give you a little bit more insight on how to be able to deal with being uncomfortable? Well, right. And that's, and going, actually, you said something that's, that's really great there as well. And that's that your, their problem areas is what you're closing them on. Right. So you have to be so confident in what you do that even if you are uncomfortable in, in any scenario, you're so confident in what you do and the solutions that you provide that you can, you can walk in that path. Right. And so, but then going, you know, going to the the piece where you're closing them on what they care about, the problems that they're having, that piece is huge because they only care about the things that mean something to them, right? So it goes back to the different buyers that you know as well. So if you have an analytical buyer, right, and you're talking about feelings and all these things, they're not they're closed out already, right? But if you're talking about things that they care about and breaking down numbers and and forecasts and projections and things along those lines. Now they're tuned in, right? They're tuned in. They're, now you're speaking a language that makes sense to them and that they care about. Right. Power versus force. I hope everyone's going to write this down. And if you are listening to this, I highly suggest you understand this. Every salesperson out there, and I know I'm going into something a little bit more advanced than a normal salesperson would actually understand. And that's what separates us, Wes, I believe, from a lot of people in their podcast is that they're scared to talk about the things that actually help people. Because their sales game right now is in a really funny situation. And <laughs> is that traditional sales isn't working. And all these other companies like internet marketing or it could be just people starting up small businesses and seeing so much massive growth because they're not stuck to this traditional way of selling. They're going to a little bit more of a consultative selling approach. Could be, you know, win-win selling. Could could you can call it whatever the fuck you want. We can coin it, right? But understanding this two big pieces. Power versus force. So I'll say again, understand power and understanding what is force and how to use it against each other. Most salespeople force their way into sales. Don't know why. Maybe they're rushed. A lot of time. Could be a lot of different ways, Wes. But a few examples of four sales tactics are door knocking, like door to door, cold calling, 
face-to-face meetings and maybe networking events. You ever seen someone go to an event and you had those little, a typical salesperson shows up to close someone right there on a the spot. Like there's my, there's my lead. <laughs> they, they pull them into this little room and like, you're going to buy now. <laughs> you know, it's really weird. Usually the guy that doesn't get invited back. That's usually who that is. Yeah. That's, that's what happens. I mean, I've seen people block doors before in sales teams, you know, in sales like events, they aim to persuade any prospect in a room to do business with them. And many of you can pull it off. However, that's for selling. It isn't the best route to take when closing deals in a modern you know, marketplace. I teach people this tactic on what not to do. You never want to force that. However, power is the most effective sales tactic you can use in that situation because that comes from me being an authority figure or being viewed as the expert. So that's powerful. Does that make more sense? Yeah, well, absolutely does. So if you can have influence over your prospects to become a powerful salesperson, does that take a lot of time to develop that skill set? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that is conscious effort into developing and bettering yourself and not just studying yourself and your craft, but the person on the other side, right? You should know your buyer better than you know anybody else, right? If you want to truly get to that level. Right. Overwhelm leads to indecision. That's the biggest thing that sticks out to me when I was going over power versus force is when you overwhelm someone is too much information, it's going to get them to a point to where they're not, they're going to be confused. You can't confuse buyers. It goes back to the first phone call. If you come in and just blurt out a lot of information, right? When they answer the phone, goodness gracious. It's like getting shot out of a cannon. So let's put, let's peel back the layers of this. So if I called you Wes and said, Wes, maybe you're say for instance, let's paint the picture for everyone to get the right feel. You, and requested some information from you, Wes. Okay. Okay. So answer the phone. Hello. Wes, what's going on, man? How's it going? Good. How are you? Not bad. I hope I didn't catch you off guard, but my name is Chris Ross. I'm calling from TCR Consulting Agency. You sent some information into me. And before I jump into a bunch of things that I need to share with you, how much time do you got for me? Uh, well, it depends. What, was, what is this regarding? It's regarding how to change your life. And so what, in what way do you think you're going to change my life? What's the biggest thing for you? You see, I'm putting it back on them. I, I'm not going to start a call off usually that way. I'm just trying to give everyone an understanding on how to listen to what a customer is saying. It's not about what they're saying and what they're not saying. It's how they're responding to you. So if, if I know that your name is Wes, I'm going to say, hey, Wes, how's it going? I'm not going to say, hey, Wes, this is Chris Ross from TCR Consulting Agency. I'm not going to, that's too, it's too wordy. It's, it's, it's too messy. Right. And, and I want to throw you a little bit of that curveball because I want to, I wanted everybody to see how your confidence level and your approach didn't change only because, you know, I came back with something, right? It's being able to be comfortable in your own skin and your role. There's, there's not too much I haven't seen or heard in sales. Right. So I'm not going to be really, I don't know, thrown off if you're able to say something, unless you answered a phone, or there's a kid screaming in the background. Uh, I need to work on this because I do have a baby on the way. Kid screaming is like, ah, like, oh my God, I need, to, I need a break for a second. But I'm going to use all my senses and especially on a phone call. I love phone sales because you can do anything on that phone call. Other, but the main thing that you need to focus on is how do you get to know that person? And the only thing I want to assume is I'm never going to talk to you ever again. Right. With that type of mindset, 
If I pretended that I'm never going to talk to that person ever again, what do you think I'm more inclined to do on that phone call, Wes? Prioritize it. And why is that so important for me? Because that's how you're going to put in every ounce of effort that you can into that phone call. Okay. So this ties back into my competitive advantage. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would. So this is going to separate me from everybody else in the marketplace. I mentioned before that my competitive advantage is that I will not accept anything less than the best for myself, my potential customers, my clients, my buyers, employees, and the people I surround myself with in my personal life. It's understanding where my standards are at. And I'm not insinuating I'm like a, a sales god or anything or even the best in the game. That's not the case. I don't need to be the best. I just need to be the best person they ever heard on the phone, if that makes sense. Right. History has proven that's usually the case. Anyone can make mistakes in not understanding products or services or whatever you're selling is be having a massive level of rapport. And understanding the best way to get into rapport is having a conversation and making them feel safe. So everyone has the standards of what they're looking for within my companies. And I know you do something similar, Wes, is I don't hire average people. I hire people that want the best, well, how to maximize their capabilities to get the best out of life. And there's a reason behind this. A lot of people take on sales teams and they take on employees that they didn't hire in the first place. Let's be real. But I'm still going to give them a shot if I, if I bought out that company or if I trying to train that sales team. And here's the, th here's the thing about average, guys, and I want everyone to understand this. Average to me, Wes, is married. Two to three kids, one or two pets. But here's the kicker. Here's the piece that I look out for. They're still living paycheck to paycheck. If you're not allowed in my companies, and you've seen this firsthand, you're not allowed to touch one of my freaking phones if I don't feel that you can sell me. And that comes to my standards. But living paycheck to paycheck, if I hired someone living paycheck to paycheck and they're calling about some of my programs or products or services, are they still living the world that I'm living in? And are they going to be able to help them the way that up to my expectations? What do you think? No, if, if they're not a representation of you and, and, and your philosophy and your, uh, and that's why we talk about leaders top down, right? You know, if with your philosophy and your uh, belief system, you know, and your standards, especially then they're, if, they're, if their standard is the same as the person across the phone, how can you better them and get them to that buying decision? That's the, that's the biggest piece right there. In my companies and the companies that I try to represent, and even when it comes to me sell, you know, training sales teams now and you know, in trade schools and doing so well, but now they're getting to a point to where they're getting a little overly confident. And so they're getting a lot of feedback from potential buyers that they normally wouldn't get because they're past that next level. So what's happening right now with these sales teams is the sales managers are coming to me or the directors are coming to me and saying, they're getting hung up on the phone. I'm like, well, I taught you how to do the opening call, but it's not about doing the opening call. It's being able to take a little extra time on that opening call and then moving on. They're getting a little, I guess you would say sales breath. They want to make every sale because they're so used to it now. But here's the thing. As a sales leader, and there's a difference between a manager and a leader, and we exposed that before. A sales leader needs to make a decision. They have to choose what standard are they giving, well, perception that they're giving to their sales reps. And here's the standard. Here's my expectations. Go. And they're accepting average and they think average results is a normal paycheck. And that's where 
that where goes back into my competitive advantage where I am accepting nothing less than the best for myself. I can't expect nothing less than the best for myself and then go to someone that works for me and they're actually producing dog shit. Right. I mean, do you see the difference here? Because leaders can still lead from the back to make sure no one's running from behind. Everyone thinks you can lead from the front. That's not always the case. Right. Yeah. I mean, and as a leader, for me as a leader, I, I want my team to do even better than I am. Right. That's how you know, that's how passionate I am. But for but the, the kicker to that is I never stop growing. Right. I never stop bettering myself. I never stop raising my standard. Right. So if you're doing better than me, that means you're working way harder than I am. Right. And I'm willing to work harder than anybody that I need to. Right. In order to get to where I want to be. Right. And, and that's again, that's the standard. Right. So does your team or do you as the salesperson, do you hold that standard? Right. And if you don't, then ask yourself, how are you actually going to get the level of success that you're searching for if you don't hold yourself to that standard? And that comes through on your, on your calls as well, right? Like if you're the kind of person who's willing to, you know, lay down and do whatever, you know, whatever it takes, right, for that client to like you or something along those lines, right, you're not going to do very well, right? Because you don't have, because you, you don't want to face that rejection. But I'd rather face that rejection and hold my standard and my confidence than fall pity to, you know, whatever the victimization or whatever the client is going to impose on me, right? Or that the rejection that they're going to impose on me. Right? So if I get on a call, I know exactly the standard that I also hold from my client, not just from myself. So I have my own st- standards and my client standards. And when I get on the phone with you, you're either going to meet that standard or I'm going to be the one that fires you. Another thing, I mean, well said, another thing that you can look at as well is like, say, for instance, you took over a new sales team. One thing I try to do is I try to go through the door and make sure that I understand the sales cycle. And understanding the sales cycle is important for two in two ways. Understanding what the buyer goes through and understanding what the seller goes through. And then once I'm able to identify that, I'm able to understand if they're doing too much on the phone or trying to carry a low because maybe it could be the marketing, could be the products, could be whatever. But a salesperson needs to understand three things. And there's only three main areas of a situation you need to expose. Past, present, and future for that client. That's it. Don't do too much. You're doing too much. You you don't need to sell everything. Only thing you need to do is establish rapport, go into a normal conversation, ask for permission, and then lead with you being an expert in your field. And that's through the value that I'm able to bring to the table. It's not going to take long for a buyer to understand that I know my shit. Right. And the, funny thing, and the funny thing is about that is you don't have to know all the information about your products to make that happen, right? You have to... You yeah, I'm not selling a product yet. Right, exactly. Because there, I can't tell you how many times I've sold something that I had actually no clue, you know, what all the features are of it. I understood what I'm trying to do for that client, right? And how I'm, I'm trying to help that client. That's the part I understood. And so when, when I frame everything around that with the client. So when they're telling me all their problems and their needs and everything else, and all my language is around that only, and I'm always looping it back to that. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm connecting that logic back, right, to the way that they feel, right, whether it's the frustration or anything along those lines. And so, you know, and when you get really good at it, you start implementing what I call controlled overwhelm, right? right? So I know we spoke about not overwhelming through information, and you never want to do that. But it's okay to, to have a little bit of controlled overwhelm through that person and, and how they feel that they can take care of the situation on their own, for example. Exactly. Right. So, but now they can, and I, I may be going a little bit more higher level here, but 
they then they start looking at you as the expert and they get to the point where they say, Wes can take care of my problem. Not the product, not the service, not the company, not anything, but Wes can take care of my problem. Right. right. And now I have earned that ability to be able to say or do anything that I need to with that client. And they're going to, they're, I have that buying decision already there. Exactly. And it's up to you to push forward in that process, but it's not pushing forward. It's going through and guiding them through the process. A lot of people try to rush. And rush is done by force. Obviously, we talked about that earlier, but you're doing it by power. Power of influence is key here because the more that you say or the less that you say is key. And I know that's a contradiction, but it's true. I'm going to make sure that I'm asking questions. So I'm not going to make a statement anymore. I'm going to take that statement and tweak it to ask a question. Right. Well, how powerful can that be inside of a first impression of a phone call? is understanding a statement can turn it into a question. How powerful can that be for a salesperson? That can be extremely powerful because you you can expose so many pains, insecurities, needs, wants, desires, just in, in an open-ended question um, and turning anything that they tell you into a question that leads them into their own insecurity, right? Or into their lack of maybe ability or knowledge within a certain area. And that's how you can start to position yourself as an expert. And it's not because you said anything, it's only because you asked a question that they maybe have not heard before, um, or it's a question that that helps them perceive you as an expert because only an expert would have asked a question like that and understood to ask a question like that. You know why I love sales, Wes? Why is that? It helps me with me being a perfectionist. I suffer from trying to make things perfect. But here's the thing in sales, I don't look at it that way because perfection equals paralysis. If you left it to a perfection, nothing will ever get done. That's how like programs and shit like that have to do, right? Developing programs and creating sales scripts, creating all this protocol and understanding sales. But in sales, results are instantaneous. It happens right then. You know when the shit doesn't work. Let's be real. We get What gets measured gets accomplished. Right. That's why I measure and reassess everything I do. But I made a choice a long time ago. Success is a choice. It's hard, but it's still a choice. People ask me, how did I make such a radical shift in my life? It's fucking simple. I say my affirmations to myself. I write down my thoughts. I dedicate the time to identify and overcome my failures. I measure and reassess every freaking thing I do. What I don't do, what I should have done is one of my most important tasks. I get to do every day. You notice I said I get to do, not have to do. I get to do every day. I love breaking down myself because I'm more critical because it's my life. It's my career. A wise man taught me this saying. This saying is so important. I do what you don't want to do that you know you have to do to be successful, to be what you want to be. That saying to me is the one of the most powerful sayings when someone said it. And I know that he was a really, he was a jokester, Wes. And this guy was, he was... He was more impactful in my career in sales than any other person ever. And he was my first sales manager. This guy was the, this guy was a perfect way of describing an old car salesman. <laughs> like the way you look, the cheesy ass chain, the gold freaking, you know what I mean? Pinky ring bullshit is from New York. This yeah. guy, man, he was smiling, dial old traditional sales, but he had some funny sayings, yeah. but that saying to me, meant a lot to me because think about that for a second. I do what you don't want to do. And he does it willingly. And then he knows you have to do to be successful, to be where you want to be in life. 
that that saying says a lot to me about how kids are even raised. Would you agree? I, I would. I would. And it's, you know, that goes back to something that I'd like to share with everybody as well. And that's, you know, a choice is a choice, right? A choice is not a decision. You make decisions, but a choice is a choice, right? So I choose to be successful because I choose to be successful. Not because I want to be, not because I can be, not because of anything. I choose to be successful because I choose to be successful. Right? And, I, and that also to me means that I won't have it any other way. Right? And then I make decisions all the way through that help keep me on course with what I have chosen. Right? So I hope that really makes a lot of sense to everybody because that's what it comes down to. And when you are raising your standard, it's because you won't have it any other way. I mean, if you want to send your kids to a better school, a lot of people you know, work and they work as hard as they can ever in life to be able to provide a better life for their kids. And they want to put their kids in a better situation, a better school, better clothes to wear. I mean, if you want to live a life of luxury or put yourself in a situation when your parents become elderly, because we don't get out alive, no one does. It's your job to take care of your parents. That all takes money, doesn't it? Absolutely. So one of the biggest lies of all time is when people say to you when you're a kid, you can be anything you want to be. Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, that's a fucking lie. You can't be anything you want to be. Some people accept the life that they are given and the cards that they were dealt. What people should teach others is that you can be anything you want to be only if you have the passion for it, because that will eliminate all the bullshit and, and actually prevent a lot of obstacles that get in the way. That saying to me and that way of approaching life is a different way of looking at it through a different lens. So I feel it's my duty and it's my moral obligation to share that with every single person that I come in contact with. And I can give a shit if you're a CEO of a $100 million business or you're someone that has $10 in your pocket and you're just trying to get the two nickels. It doesn't matter to me. I need to make sure you understand what do you want to do in life? Why do you want to do what you want to do in life? Who told you that bullshit and why you couldn't do it? <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Right. These, all these things tie into is that when I make a phone call, I'm not there to do anything else other than figure out who you are. Why overcomplicate it? Right. I can't help you if I don't know who you are. I mean, what, make, what makes our method so effective is for companies is that we're bringing something slightly different when it comes to sales. And I know that media makes it all look sexy and shit with Wall Street and bowl of room type of movies. But the nitty and gritty you know, truth is that sales is hard as fuck. <laughs> it's difficult. Not normal people can do sales and actually enjoy it, Wes. I mean, I think it's a special type of person that actually loves what they do and they're in sales. Would you agree? I would. I mean, you got to be a little bit crazy. You know, you have to have that little bit of craziness to, to really love sales. But truly, when you understand it and when you're working on bettering yourself every single day, it becomes enjoyable because you're not afraid of rejection. You And when you start getting really confident and understanding your craft really well, you don't really face that much. And all of it is because you don't see it as rejection. Right? So mm. it's, that's, that's what it is. You have to have a passion for it. Like you said, you have to have a passion for it. If you don't have a passion for what you do, it's a recipe for disaster. Right. I've never met a millionaire or a billionaire that didn't love what they do. Never. Not one. Right. They all love what they did. Some people might feel they got lucky. But in sales, I mean, what Wes is talking about, you have to make a choice. Well, stick with it enough until you find a way to being able to hone in on your craft, despite all odds against you. Or if you ring the bell and go home and live with regret 
you can do that too. A lot of people that used to work with me and seen me, you know, making phone calls and beating the shit out of them on leaderboards. A lot of these people don't still do what I do. And they're probably still looking at me on the social media. Like, I don't know how the hell this guy's doing this. Cause I studied my freaking ass off. Like I'm studying things that you can't get into a book. It comes from hard knocks. It comes from getting on a phone and actually being hung up on. It's coming from a lot of pain because a lot of people don't understand. It's pain and pleasure that motivate people. It's two biggest catalysts that actually drive people to do things that they never expect to do. Pain is something that people don't want to talk about. I like to expose pain and live in the pain because I want to be empathetic because I understand what they're going through. But my confidence level is that I'm able to overcome it because I'm able to share with them some of the solutions that actually helped me in the past, but it has nothing that I learned in a book, Wes. Everything I'm talking about comes from skills and developing these skills, and that comes from talent and ignoring talent. Studying hard, partying light, think everyone thinks about this, right? Partying light, graduate top of your class skills, that shit don't fucking work. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've seen the most intelligent people in the world get on a phone and get hung up on it, and it's like, I don't want to do sales, man. This shit's hard. Maybe it's a challenge for me. You know, I'm talking about skills. What I'm talking about is coming out, step out your door, make some moves, get some shit done type of skills, move out your mama's house, quit your day job, say fuck the world. Then you can actually do it. Those are the type of skills that I'm talking about. Make shit happen. Right. Oh, you have to. You have to you have to have a make shit happen type of attitude and and type of drive. Mm. Right. You can't be you can't be scared. That's I think what attracted me to sales sales as well. Is because I was always, I would get bored in the same thing all the time, right? I couldn't do the same thing over and over again. But I found this challenge in sales where I was like, you know, I'm selling a, a product for a thousand bucks. You know, now I'm I'm past that. Now I'm selling a product that's three thousand bucks. Now I'm past that. Now I'm like I'm selling something for fifty grand. Now I'm past that. Now you know I'm selling for a hundred grand. Now I'm past that, right? So, but but with every time I push myself further, you know, I I feel that challenge, right? I feel and I'm addicted to the challenge. Right. So tell me I can't do something. Right. And that's that's what I'm addicted to, because I, I want what's I want to I hold myself to the highest standard. And I feel like I want to become the best version of myself that I pass, possibly can. And sales allow me to do that. And honestly, it doesn't matter what it is, unless you're going to settle for a job that you probably can't stand. You have to know how to sell. Right. So it doesn't matter what your if your passion is knitting. Guess what? You're going to have to learn how to sell the damn thing. Right. So, you, <laughs> you, so, but again, the reason why you're passionate you're, and you're able to go out there and sell it is because you're passionate. Right. So be passionate about what you do and how you serve and help people. And you can then take care of the rest of it. You know, all the bullshit then is just minuscule compared to it all. Right. I, I completely agree. I mean, this type of skills you're talking about develop in the real world and outside the bubble that your parents protection sometimes, I mean, could come from, you know, a life of luxury. Andrew Carnegie once said, he's like, the best gift for a child in life is to be born in poverty. I completely agree. Yep. You know, I mean, even if you're born in poverty, or if you're not born in poverty, but you know, it's how you're able to communicate that with your kids and making sure that they're not going to get a dime of what you do. My wife is probably going to disagree with some of the statements that I'm about to make is that I don't give a shit how much money I make less. But the whole thing is that I've done very well for myself, especially in the last two years. Very well. You know, there's a couple other zeros on the back end of what normal for people. What I'm trying to do for my children, my family, my future family is to instill some of the things that were, could be just cultural differences. It could be the way that I was raised, my environment, you know, brought up around my being a product of the environment that I was in 
and being structured or being, I guess you would say stuck inside of a box is that I'm trying to open up a different world for my future kids is that you don't need to live life this way, but I am going to put them through school because I believe in education. I'm going to put them through the best school ever possible, the money they can ever buy. And if they want to be able to go into what I'm doing, I'll teach them, but I'm going to make sure the first thing I'm going to identify is what interests them. I can't make someone want something, you know, I'm not going to leave my kids a bunch of money because you'll see him on freaking TV by then probably on MTV or bullshit. You know what I mean? Like you can't do that. I mean, you got these entitled people. It drives me nuts, Wes. Like, what is your input on that? I mean, the worst thing that you can possibly do is give somebody money without teaching them how to make it. All right. That's the worst thing you can possibly do because it's just like anything else. You'll, they'll only have it for so long and they'll probably use it to put themselves in a, in a worse situation. Right, so for me, the best gift I can give my children is the gift of developing and bettering themselves and going after what they truly want and care about. Right? And that's I say that to my daughter all the time. Right? And, and this is how you know, I'm, I'm raising her is that I don't care what you do, but you, what, whatever you choose to do, you do it to the best of your ability and you don't quit. Right? That, but if you don't enjoy it, then you go and you finish what you've started and then go after what you've what you truly want to do right so don't chase after something that's not serving you right and i'd say that to everybody here don't chase you know what why are you in sales is it for the money because i promise you that won't last very long right that passion that drive won't last very very long and it doesn't always have to be about a certain goal it could be like for myself you know yes i have certain goals i have an outcome that i'm searching for but I also have this desire to better myself and to challenge my skill set, right? And this is a platform that allows me to do that, right? So really identify what is it, right? What is it that's even, you know, pushing you to do this? And if that's, if you're not going in the right direction, start looking at what it is that's going to naturally pull you instead of you trying to push for it. In order to be really, truly successful, and I'm talking about like mega successful, no one's going to have to pay you a dime to do what you do. Not a dime. And I haven't gotten to that point, obviously, you know, financially to where it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. However, I've done very well for myself. And so have you, Wes, the same way. But the way that I look at that is that, you know, how like you have lawyers that do things pro bono. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I do it for free. Yeah. And it's, gonna, it's a huge tax write off. I'll get into that's a whole other conversation. But the way of that way of thinking about it or approaching that situation when I'm having a really hard day, Wes, and I don't know, I still do this to today. I will actually call someone out the blue from my database, from one of the companies and just out the blue to see if I can have a normal conversation. And I'm not Chris Ross that day. I'm going to be the whoever sales rep it is and I'm going to close them. That's what brings me back to normal. But then again, I'm not really doing it for a dime, but that's the point I'm trying to make. I'm just trying to be authentic as I can. That's something that gives me, I can't tell you how much satisfaction and joy and, you know, fulfillment from is being able to relate to someone's story and give them potential solutions for them to solve their own problems with some of the value that I'm giving them. That gives me so much joy. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, that was one of my biggest fears as I was stepping more into, you know, leadership roles and, you know, CEO role and things along those lines mm -hmm. was my fear was that I would to completely detach myself from that world. And that's the world that, that that uncomfortable world is a world that I'm comfortable in. Right. And so I had a natural fear of that. And then I realized that that never has to stop. 
I, I can do that at any level. It never has to stop. And so, but that that's the drive. You know, when you when we're talking about these phone calls, when we're talking about going into this first call and how to go and the tonality and everything else that we're using, mm-hmm. th- you have to have a natural love for that. Like you have to be like, well, I can't wait. Like if you're if you're listening to this and you're not saying yourself to yourself, I can't wait to try this, then I would challenge if this is even right for you. Right. Right. Or or is it that maybe what you're offering isn't right for you? Right. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Right. Again, connect it back to what truly drives you and 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 is your passion, so that this can, so you can you know endure all the bullshit. Right. The sales has a lot of bullshit that comes with it. There's a lot of rejection. Right. There's a lot of challenges. You get, you know, I can't tell you how many times I got beat down by sales man, uh, sales managers. Right. And but for me, I enjoyed that. Right. I I told my sales manager, be hard on me, even when I'm at my best. Right. Right. And so. That because I never want to be complacent and complacency will kill you in anything that you do in life and especially in sales. Mm-hmm. And so have that willingness, have that drive and, and just be passionate about what you do. Right. It's about raising a bar and then being able to help others around you and pulling them up. That's the biggest thing for me when, when I was in sales, you know, as an on sales teams. And that was one of my biggest fears is being detached away from something that gave me so much joy. And, you know, everyone's going to need to involve and everyone's going to need to further their career and, and expand and do other things. But I love sales so much that, you know, I'm still selling every day. It doesn't really matter what I'm just in a different capacity now with companies. But because it all goes back to the, you know, the framework on how I frame certain questions or how I approach a certain situation with a potential client. You know, open-ended questions are incredibly valuable to a sales process. As long as you listen to their damn answers, though. Right. Because a lot of people ask open-ended questions and never wait for the freaking answer. They just move on to the next question. Like, you don't need to say the damn question. Like, I don't give a shit about that. I'm looking for the answer. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it's, it goes back to like what we're trying to do here with these podcasts is that I know sometimes if the listeners are out there are probably thinking, God damn, they go, so, they go in so many different directions. It's hard for me to keep up. That's why I told you at the beginning of the call to write some shit down. <laughs> right. You know, like it's good. <laughs> I did not exclaim to like get a pen and piece of paper. Did I not say that? You know, because as a sales professional, it's very important to actually understand how to use your power and how to use force. But you're only using force to break through barriers or their own bullshit. And you're using your power as value then asking the right questions at the right time, powerful questions. And I want to do is I always want to get on the phone. It gives me a lot of, maybe it's a personal thing. I don't know, Wes, that I ask questions for people and they go, I've never heard that question before. I never even thought about that. I love when someone tells me that. Right. That means no other asshole ever called them ever in the history of their life, Wes, has ever asked them that question or gave a shit about the answer. So that tells me I'm doing something, right? That means I'm breaking through the barriers. I'm using force, correct? Oh, right. And and that's that's what I would tell everybody. Don't be so afraid of the out or so, so stuck on the outcome that you feel like you have to get past every little thing. Like you hear an answer and you don't even care to even listen to it and actually respond to it. Right? I will always achieve the outcome. You know, the path that I'm on in that call, I will always achieve it. I'll loop it back in some way or some fashion and I will come back to that outcome. But I will live in any world I need to live in based on the answers that that person is giving me in order to truly understand and get that rapport and trust and authority with that person to then lead them there. And if I have to spend 20 minutes talking about cats because that's how I'm going to loop it back to the outcome, then I will spend 20 minutes talking about cats, right? So it doesn't matter. It's about what's important to them and then how can I take that piece and then loop it back into what the outcome that I'm searching for and how that all connects back and makes sense in their own mind. 
Right. There's no thing as called as a no sales call. A sale happens on every single one. Either they sell you on the reasons why they shouldn't do it or the reason why you suck as a salesperson, or you're going to sell them on the reasons why you should have another call with them. No one should sell a product over the phone unless you're presenting them an actual solution for them to present to you. Reverse psychology, man. Read a fucking book. It goes back to the other one. You know, is that I'm going to hint around some answers that might potentially work for them. And then they're going to go, you know what, Chris? You know what, Wes? <laughs> but you need to use it in a certain way for them to identify and make it their own idea. And you can only lead people so far, but you can't make them do anything. You can't persuade people at all times. There's no interrupting. Listen to people. Listen to what they're saying to you. Right. I mean, what you're doing there is you're planting those seeds in their head, right? You're, that's pretty much what you're doing. And like, I'll do that sometimes if I hear somebody say something and I know exactly what the solution is, right? I know exactly what they need to do, but I can't tell them that. I can't, I can't because that's going to, that's going to actually harm them a lot more because now there's zero ownership over it. But what I'll do instead, I may start something along like along the lines of I actually had a buddy, a buddy of mine that was facing the same problem, you know, and, um, and he went and did X, Y, and Z. Uh, but anyway, we you know what we were talking about and then I'm going to continue on with the conversation. Right. right. But what I just did there was I actually said what this person on the other side is doing. Right. But now I kept going, like I wasn't telling them what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but now they're thinking about that. Now that's, that thought is going through their head. And they're going to start cultivating on that thought and they're going to start kind of forming that thought into their own and putting their own, you know, their own, you know, that their piece of it, you know, they're, they're going to form that and put it together themselves. Right. And now it's going to be their idea. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's so many ways to do it, but yeah, I mean, that's ownership. What we're talking about here is absolute ownership over that idea, but you can actually be the one that influences that without them really realizing it. Right. And just give everyone a little bit of pieces of advice when you're looking into what questions should I ask? How do I frame these questions? And I know we're going to get into this. Don't worry. Like we're not going to leave you on a hook. I promise you. Because a lot of people, when I mentioned just now, open-ended questions, you're thinking, oh yeah, what does that mean? How does that process, you know, work now? Like, you know, it could be anything, you know, how do you see this happening? You know, like what prompt you to look into this company and, and what program or product or service were you really looking for? I mean, these aren't open-ended questions. These are open-ended questions and you're looking for information. You can't just ask a bunch of these bullshit questions and not listen for the answer. I might get through one question on my piece of paper, Wes. Oh, yeah. One question I might get through and I might open up the Pandora's box, man. I'm like, whoa, I opened. That's a button I'm not pushing again. Yep. <laughs> it's so like. <laughs> Sometimes I'll even, I'll ask a one word open-ended question and that's why. I'll say why. And then there it goes, right? That And that that effect that I'm trying to get or the information I'm trying to get is just being blurted out. Right. And the state of mind that they're in and everything else. And I asked one question that was one word and that was why. How many of you out there, listeners, how many of you out there actually try out new things on potential clients you know is worth a shit? I do. That's where I've, that's where I actually tapped into other ideas and other ways and other methods and techniques that I utilize today. Today. I will call someone that I know that's not going to ever buy, but I'm going to indulge myself <laughs> right. into a conversation that I know it's not going to really go anywhere, but I want to see if I get them to go, you know what, Chris, I never thought of that. Imagine that, Wes. You never thought of that. And I had you speechless for a couple of seconds. And you mentioned earlier in a call, and now I'm going to recap and I'm going to do a you loop back. Remember you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot too much that you haven't seen or heard and you felt a certain way and you never really get to a point to where you're speechless. How did that make you feel when I made you speechless? You're going to learn a lot, Wes. See, this is how 
This is what separates the good people and actually someone understands, listen, I'm good at what I do. How can I become great? Allow yourself to become great. But everyone's going to make that decision. You said it is a difference between choices and decisions, right? But what's the difference of that situation, do you think, with those decisions and choices? Well, in that, in that case, you've made the decision, right? You made the decision to be great, right? You made the decision to be great because at the end of the day, you choose to be great. But in that moment, you, you made the decision to be great. And that's, and that, that's the best possible, you know, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, and I know you say this a lot, Chris, as well as, you know, success is a choice, right? And yet you say, and I think you even said that earlier, success truly is a choice, right? So it's actually as simple as deciding one way or the other, right? And so you're either going to choose to be successful or you're going to choose to not be successful, and at the end of the day, that comes back to you. Nobody can force you to do that, right? So if you're listening to this and they say, oh, they didn't go over a lot of questions. Well, then you're, you're focused on the wrong thing because you're not actually truly hearing what you should be hearing on this call. And that's what you what you need to do immediately to get yourself in a position to be successful. Mm-hmm. The first call, guys, and, and it's so important. I know that we're peeling back the layers of this and we're going a little bit more in detail, Wes, on a lot of sales trainers, what they don't do usually. And sometimes there's a lot of different reasons, I believe. Could be that they're trying to sell in a back-end product it's as well and trying to rope people in. But there's a lot that you can read on the internet that you shouldn't read about sales. And a lot of people say in sales, oh, they need to do this and I need to I need to be salesy. I need to be you know, really quick-witted. I need to come up with a lot of different types of information and knowing my product and sales is a foundation to success in my opinion. So if you're looking at how to sell people, do you want the best for people? Do you believe in abundance? If you believe in abundance, you can do sales. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, you absolutely need it or else how do you actually care about the person on the other side? So there's a couple of different frameworks that I did some research on my own on the internet on what I could find. Wes, man, <laughs> no wonder why we do pretty well. There's some shit out there. <laughs> like there's some garbage on the internet, man, about how to frame questions and what questions to ask in the right time. A lot of things that I see with the open-ended questions are information gathering, qualifying questions, you got background questions, establishing rapport, trust and credibility. You have problem awareness questions. You got solution questions. You got consequence questions. You got transition questions. You got committing questions. And I'm reading this off a thing. You got, you know, a buying questions, you know, pitching questions. Like what the fuck, Wes? <laughs> the buying questions are my favorite. Why are people trying to overcome? Are they just trying to sell products or are they, are they really trying to help people in understanding sales? What what's jumped out to you when I read all this stuff? That, that right there is technique. That's, that's kind of like, that's the word that came across to me is technique and no human, no actual human care, like care for the actual person on the other side, mm-hmm. right? For me, it's like, my objective is to understand you, understand you so well that I can feel exactly what you're feeling. I'm going to become the authority. I'm going to be confident. Mm-hmm. You're going to trust me. We're going to build rapport. And together, and what you feel as together, we're going to come up with the solution that's going to overall help you. All right, that's the only thing I care about. What questions I ask, all the questions are going to be around accomplishing those eight things. That's it. 
That's what, and, and those questions are going to come to me as I'm talking to you because I know where I'm headed and what I'm trying to accomplish right. uh, because ultimately it's going to serve you in the best way possible. I don't care about transition questions or any other questions. Those will come to me as needed and I will use them as needed in order to achieve that outcome. And that's, that's all that is. It's not going to be about the right time and all that. That happens in the, that happens in the sales process, but you can't be looking for it. That's the difference. <laughs> you can't be looking like for, okay, he said this. Now I can say this, right? Okay. Oh, um, uh, so anyway, now that we're, you know, now that you have said this to me, you know, well, how do you feel that this will help you? Right? Like, I mean, who really, it's not a robotic, you know, conversation. It's a human interaction. Right. Right. So I'm, what I feel is best during that time to say to that person is what I'm going to say. And if I don't feel that it's the right thing to say, I'm going to take it in a different direction. But ultimately, it's to accomplish you know everything that I just said. Being able to understand your strengths and weaknesses comes into play at some point. And you have to understand what your, your go-to is when you're dealing with an uncomfortable conversation. I love uncomfortable conversations, Wes. I don't know. Maybe I'm just one of those weird people that... If I ask someone a direct question, I'm okay with pausing and waiting for them to tell me the answer I'm looking for, or I'll say it in this way. Is that the answer you're going for, Wes? Right. What does that question do, do you think? It, 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 just, it breaks, well, one, it breaks the, the state in which that conversation is in, and now it makes mm-hmm. them start actually thinking outside of the, their current pattern of thinking, right? You're breaking past that pattern. And that's actually a huge piece, and I hope everybody understood that right there. Because um, I'm very, I'm the same way. I'm very open and I'm very uh, direct, right? So I'm not afraid to say, honestly, I'm not afraid to say this conversation is actually not going the way I planned, right? Or mm-hmm. I think what we're talking about here is shit, right? Like I'm not afraid embrace to say that. those things. Embrace yeah. it, yeah. Embrace yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I don't know what you know bowl of cocoa wheats I had this morning, but I I I think I'm sucking today, or maybe we're not on the same page, right? So like I like I'll say whatever, right? It doesn't matter because I'm at rapport with that person, right? I, I'm still going to be at rapport. I'm going to be myself, right? And I'm truly looking mm-hmm. out for how I can help that person. And the only thing that matters is that person feels that. Okay, so I can Change tell you, man. State. Right, man. I'm sucking today. I don't know. I, for some reason, I think we're not connecting. You want to try back another time, or what is it? Is it me? Is it something that's going on? What's going on? Is there something going on with you? Like I'll say whatever. It doesn't matter because ultimately I'm like, hey, I'm really trying to help you here, but I think I'm mm-hmm. I think I'm having a hard time understanding what we're getting at. You know, so can you can you give me a little bit more clarity? Can you tell me maybe something and ask another question at that point? Right, and then say, like, what am I missing here? That's a huge question for me. Is that I'm trying to I'm letting them know indirectly you're full of shit. And I know you're holding back something. And I'm like, I'm really not grasping and understanding, Wes, what you're saying to me. What am I missing here? Help me understand. Yeah, put it back on them. A lot of salespeople put the pressure on them to start trying to know where to go with that conversation. But if you're not understanding Mm -hmm. it to a point where you know how to take it, where to take it to, stop right there and make it known. It's not all about the customer. It's not all about the client and, and what they're thinking and how you're making them feel throughout. You got to look at yourself as well. Right? You can't help that person if you don't understand where it's headed or what's going on. Right? So yeah, stop and say, hey, I, need, I feel like I truly need to understand what you're trying to tell me here so I can actually be able to help you. Can you please take a step back and clarify for me what you mean by this? Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, why is that important to you? 
And it's like, why is that important to you as well? Why is that so important? You keep mentioning X, Y, Z. Why is that your go-to? Why is that so important for you in life? I mean, is that what someone has shared with you on the reasons why you, what you should do? I mean, please help me understand. Right. Who, what, when, how? These are questions you lead with. And it goes back into the opening first part of the call. Like, hey, Wes, this is Chris Ross calling from, you know, TTR Consulting Agency. How's it going today, Wes? Talk to me, man. Sometimes I will say that shit on a phone. Like, talk to me. Right. I'm provoking you to talk to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Talk to me, dude. Like, what's up? Like, what's going on? How's your day? What did you do this morning? What'd you eat for breakfast? How was the drive to work? What kind of car do you own? How many street lights are do you drive past? Or how many Hardys? Is it Carl Jr.'s where you live? Where do you live in the world? This is I ask the dumbest fucking question sometimes because I'm just trying to get myself back into cadence and I'm missing something. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you gotta get back in your own frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm I need to change the frame. I need to get them to the point to where there's questions that I might ask. They're completely rhetorical. I can give a shit what they're going to say to me. I'm just trying to get myself back into a flow. Right. Because sometimes it usually happens to me is that I'm not asking a lot of questions. I'm not talking a lot because I'm never going to present. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. And if someone says something to me that potentially I wasn't expecting, then I'm going to touch on that one subject to make sure they're okay with it. And I'm going to listen to understand their problem. And then before I present a potential solution, I'm trying to figure out my angle. I'll end up saying a couple different questions just to get myself back into that flow. And it's okay to do that, guys. If you're new to sales, or even if you've been in sales for 10 to 15, 20 years, it's okay that they don't know the process. That's what people don't understand about sales is the buyer doesn't know the process. And if you're doing something that truly taps into you being authentic and being your own self, they're never going to understand the process. Right. I like to do right in the beginning of the phone call. I raise my voice when I say agency, because I want to show pride about what I do for a living. I own that business. I mean, it could be for my sales team. I teach my sales team this. I'm going to listen to what they say to me. How are you doing today, Wes? And you'd be like, I'm great. I'm like, just great. Come on now. It's Tuesday. (laughs) It's Tuesday. I'm like, what's so significant about Tuesday? I have no idea. The reason for my call, Wes, I'll go right into it. <laughs> now, if you recall, you requested some information recently about some of our programs. Does that does that ring a bell? Does that make sense? What jumps out to you about that? When was that? How? <laughs> How did you find our information? What did you see? How did you see it? Who told you about it? Like, These are all the questions that I ask. I mean, I, I'm not asking anything crazy, Wes, am I? No, not at all. Is it, does it sound authentic? Does it sound simple? Yeah, well, at, at the end of the day, it sounds curious, right? It's like, I truly want to know more. Mm-hmm. I truly want to engage in this conversation. I'm not just trying to take you through a process, right? And that's, and that's extremely important. You have to build that type of a relationship with that person so that they can actually open up to you, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to open up to you if you are following a very rigid process right. Right? and you're walking right. them straight through that process right so but if you're just a, if you're being a human being and you're truly curious that opens up the door for you for so much and you get to a point where you can just ask whatever you need to ask mm-hmm. to get the information that you need to continue on you know with that phone call right i've heard a lot of different people saying certain things they'll go now if you recall it sounds a lot about a couple of different systems that don't work in, in now the modern workplace right and workforce but i like to try to 
Because normally what you're doing is you're interrupting someone's day if you're calling them out the blue. Would you agree, correct? Yeah. So if I'm calling and interrupting your day, I'm going to apologize for that. Wouldn't that be a nice thing for someone to do? Yeah, it depends on the situation. Yeah, cor- correct. I would agree. But if I'm calling you and you seem really, I don't know, irritated I gave you a call, I'm going to address it. Yeah, of course. It sounds like from it sounds like from me, Wes, and I know that, you know, I'm not I might be just jumping to a conclusion here, but or assuming something is that maybe I caught you off guard. And I, I apologize if I caught you off guard. Should I call back later? But I'm not gonna hit them off the hook, but I'm gonna give it open to where should I call back later? And be like, nah, it's all good. Cause that's a nice thing to do, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and you also got to be careful with it as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. it's okay to apologize once, but it's not okay to apologize twice. Exactly. Right. Because, because you never, you know, you're not apologizing for being there because now you're the person that can help them. But yeah, you have to, there's a certain element, right. And, and this is, and Chris, I know you're, you're like a master of this and that's that, that emotional intelligence, right. Is understanding where that person is emotionally, um, you know, or mentally as you're on the call with them. Right, so, and you know what you can say based off of that, right? And then also depends on the person that you're that you're talking to, right? Especially like if you're talking to the person that you know is more prideful or demands, you know, respect and and all that. Yeah, an apology is going to go a long way, right? And so, but if you're, you know, say you're dealing with a driver, right? An apology could potentially look at it as, as weak, right? So you got to be careful how many times you're you're doing that, right? So, but it goes back to, and this is a very huge piece for people, is understanding. The emotion and understanding emotional intelligence, understanding where that person is and what kind of person they are. And that goes back to from a previous episode is learning and growing and understanding the humans as a whole and the psychology behind it. Right. And you touched on something really important, really important is watching your apologies. Oh, man. I can go on for an hour, Wes, about people sometimes over apologize for the dumbest things. It, it isn't their fault, right? It isn't their fault that they're driving to work. It isn't their fault that they have a kid in the background screaming. It isn't your fault that you have a program. It isn't your fault that they freaking requested the bullshit anyway. Right. It's not your fault. Don't apologize. Yeah. Motherfucker. Like tell them the reason why you, the reason why I didn't call you out the blue, you submitted fucking information, John. Right. Like, tell me, like, tell me, why did you submit information if you're going to be a dick when I call you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's. I mean, hey, look, look at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'll apologize if I interrupted you or something is going on. I will say, you know, I apologize that I interrupted you, but I don't apologize for the fact that I'm on this call. And I truly believe that us spending this time today is going to turn your day around, especially if you're not having a good day. So I'm excited to be on the call with you. You know, so it's, it's. You can frame that however you want, right? But gauge the situation, right? So if somebody's really overwhelmed and there's three cats biting, you know, his face off, right? Let the guy go, right? Tell him, hey, listen, it's probably not a good time. Uh, I'd like to give you a call back later. I have some time at six o'clock. Will you be more free then? Right. So I and then and then sell it, right? So then sell it. Then sell the fact that they need to be there at six o'clock and not just let them go and say, hey. Uh, I'm going to put you down for six o'clock. I'm really excited. I actually have some information for you. That's going to go along with exactly what you requested. Um, and I truly believe that this is going to help you. So really excited. I put a presentation together for you. You're going to be really excited to hear this. All right. So I'll talk to you at six, you know, bye. So it's not, you know, now they're excited. They're more likely to pick up that phone at six o'clock and then you're actually going to get their attention versus, 
you know, dealing with a guy who has, you know, three cats eating his face. So I don't know where I just got that from, but I have no clue. But the cats do bite, man. That shit sucks. I got a cat for the first time. It's awful. But it's what Wes is trying to do. He's trying to paint the picture for them so there's no surprises and getting them excited about a phone call. Right. That's it. Leaving at a high point and starting at a high point is something that needs to happen. In the middle of it, I'm going to say some things going to piss you off potentially. And I, and I jump in front of that objection. I'll say, Wes, to be honest with you, for me to be able to do my job effectively, I'm going to need transparency. And I'm going to expect for you to answer questions that I'm going to ask honestly and openly because the more information you're able to provide for me, I'm able to do my job more efficiently. Yeah. Does that make a little bit more sense for you? Uh, yeah, and that, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful way to put it. And then once I get an agreement, so do I have, this is a lot of people don't do, is they get, get that agreement and then move on. No, 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 no. I'm going to let you feel that for a second. So Wes, if it's appropriate and if it's okay for you, can I get your approval that you'll always answer questions that I'm going to answer or ask you honestly and openly. Would you agree at this time that that would be able to equip me with the right information and do my job more efficiently? And I'll say yes again. Right. It's almost like a signed document, but it's oral. Exactly. And you just, you just pretty much signed your life away because I'm going to use every little piece of things that you would say or share with me against you, but to help you not to hurt you. That's the missing ingredient. And framing it that way too. And that's actually, I hope everybody really hears that. The way that you framed that question and, and got that permission, what it allows you to do now as a salesperson is not to worry about the transition of everything that you're going to say with that person, mm-hmm. right? So, oh, okay, I'm going to say this. Now they're going to say this. Now I got to come back with this. And then, you know, it can, it drops that process part and drops it out of the way so that now you can focus objectively on what you can do to help that person. And now if you're sitting there silent for 20 seconds, you know, it's not as, you know, bad for you to be able to collect your thoughts and focus on what you're going to ask next mm-hmm. than to always to feel like you always got to be on point, right? You've just slowed down that interaction and built a partnership. Would you agree, Wes, that the first call is just teaching them how to work with you? Uh, 100%. That's what I try to accomplish with people that I'm training is that they put so much pressure on themselves, maybe indirectly, it could be internal factors within that company, depending on what happens. But a lot of people put so much pressure on themselves to make sure that they're going to perfect the introduction, perfect discovery questions, perfecting you know, emotional questions to tie that in and go into situation and then driving home the appointment and setting the appointment. They put so much pressure on themselves. But just sit back and enjoy the ride and actually jump in front out of everything, all the objections. A master salesman or master salesperson, woman, will address every objection potentially they've ever heard up front during the sales process because we know things don't always go according to plan in sales. Nothing ever works out the way that you expect it. But if you jump out in front of the West, it makes them, it makes, has them, it prevents any type of indecision from them because they don't know what's coming up next. I set the stage on how. And when they buy, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. I would say I, I'll even go so far to to tell them how they're gonna feel after something. Beautiful. Right? So I'll even set that stage. How you are gonna feel? You are probably gonna be uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm gonna let you know, but understand that that's okay. That's normal, and that's okay. Because now, when you do so, now later on, when they feel uncomfortable, they'll be like, "Wes said it's okay." Right. Right. So now there's that factor of comfort in their own mind. Yeah, but objection sucks. I mean, any way you look at it, the most common sales objections can be easily overcome if you're able to handle it up front. 
I've done objections on a first call. I know what you're probably thinking right now. I'm some dipshit calling about a program that you probably requested information about drunk on a couch at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because you want to change your life and your girlfriend cheated on you. I get it. I understand. But here's the thing. This might be a blessing in disguise. If you have a few minutes, let's, let's, let's kind of maybe discover some opportunities here. Shall we? Right. Yeah. And you, you got you to understand the person you're talking to, right? Because like, yeah, if you have somebody, so say like, if I'm sitting here talking, say it's somebody that's, um, well, I know Chris, you do a lot with trade schools, right? So, you know, say somebody who's you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, doesn't really know what they want to do with their life. That's a perfect thing, right? That's a perfect way to go about it. Right. And I love so, it. Yeah. So if you have, but if, you know, if you have somebody that's 50 years old, right now, you're going to approach that a little bit differently. Right. But in the same, but the point is you're going to still break the pattern of what they normally hear on the phone. Like I can't say, you know, one, one of the biggest things here in America is that, that I deal with as an entrepreneur is health insurance. Right. And it's like uh, something mm-hmm. that I always have to, you know, look at renewing and something that's always, you know, something that always takes up my attention. Right. So um, as soon as I, you know, request any kind of quote, I will get a thousand phone calls. And so to me, they all sound the same, right? Every single one of them sounds the same. And then I know I'm going to get a call and I'm going to get a text message. I understand the process. So, but now imagine somebody came on the phone. I answered the phone call and they're like, Hey Wes, this is John here with ABC insurance company. I know what you're probably thinking right now. I'm, I'm some dipshit. That's probably calling you out of the hundred phone calls that you're already getting trying to sell you some insurance. I want you to know right now that I'm not going to be selling you into something that you're not going to want. I'm not going to pressure you into anything. I know you asked for this and I'm going to always do my best to give you the best possible coverage and the lowest price. That's my, my guaranteed promise to you of what effort I'm going to put in. Will you give me just a few minutes for me to be able to go over that with you? Right now, that's a whole different dynamic mm-hmm. right? than somebody coming right. through like, you know, the, like just like the other thousand. Well, the whole thing, I mean, I want everyone to understand and make sure that they understand exactly what Wes did. And obviously Wes will would have paused a lot in that very first opening and then actually explained and got a lot more engagement from the potential customer. Right. And it's kind of hard. That's the one thing about sales and being able to communicate it or, you know, really drive home that message unless it's done like in your face or actually real life. I mean, you're really not going to get the full effect in sales, but a lot of people try to do is they overthink the process. Sometimes that needs to come natural. I mean, I say the I say the worst things and the best things when I have no time to prepare for it. <laughs> right. It's just one of those things. Like when someone says to me, like, um, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, let me reframe this. And I want and I promise you, Wes, that you're gonna get the most authentic me with this. Hit me with some objections, like some of the biggest ones that jumped out to you. Like, I like to speak to my my wife, or hit me with a couple of those. Hit me, hit me like oh, it's too expensive or I'm not ready to buy or whatever. Hit me with that shit. Um, well, I don't think I can afford that right now, Chris. I agree. It costs more than what you probably came in prepared to spend. We both would agree to that. Our programs and products and services are a little bit more expensive compared to other programs and products and services that don't provide you shit. <laughs> but you get what you pay for. Would you agree to that statement? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. using real life situation. Right. Yeah. And, and, and also like excusing that Here's what, like, so if somebody also, like, same in the same scenario, somebody's like, I can't afford that. Yeah, and that's completely fine. I'm not telling you that for you to tell me that you can't afford that, right? That's not what this is about. I know you, you know. can't afford it. Right. I, know I know you can't afford yeah, it. I know at this point you can't afford it. That's not why I'm telling you this. Why I'm telling you this right now is because at this point, what I do with, with my clients and what I'm going to do for you as well 
is I'm going to go through and help you figure out a solution to be able to afford it. Right. So I don't want you to think that I'm putting all this pressure on you. Right. So I'm going to go, I'm always going to go back and forth like that with the client. Right. And but usually I'm going to head off those objections. Right. And so, Mm-hmm. Because, and the way I'm going to do it is not by attacking it full on. I'm not going to come and say, hey, I know you're probably thinking you can't afford it, right? I won't say that. But what I'm going to say is I'm going to explain a process to them that takes out that objection. So, you know, what I do with all right. of my clients is we go through uh, and I'm going to go through and break down what your current financial situation looks like. And then together, we're going to put a plan together that's going to make the most sense for you to for you to be able to actually do this the right way. Right. And I'm going to say something like that. And now that kind of excuses the affording you know, thing out of the way. I'm going to try to head that off. But yeah, I mean, we can go through this all day, really. Oh, yeah. No, and we will. Because <laughs> so my mind is starting to go nuts now with just how to deal with certain things. Here's the thing. I like to sometimes in those situations, when someone goes, it's too expensive. It's, I don't, I, I can't afford this. I'm like, John, I'm going to tell you a little story. You got time for a story? And I'm not ignoring his question or his statement. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell him a story so he can look at things through a window. And him and I are going to look through this window, but I'm going to tell him what to look at. It's like, John, cheap products don't solve problems. I'll tell you that right now. I'll, I'll make an example. Say, for instance, you seem like you're a nice guy and you seem like you, I don't see a wedding band on, but you seem like you, you date a lot, correct? Yes. You're in a relationship. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great. I assume you want to take that relationship to the next level. Yes. Okay. What am I doing? Well, I'm putting them in a yes state, right? Yep. So, so I assume you're putting your, you know, you would like to take that to the next level, but in order to take that to the next level is say, for instance, if you want to ask your potential, you know, girlfriend and your future wife, maybe to marry you and you wanted to like cook her a nice dinner. Would you go to the convenience store for food to cook her? No, Chris. <laughs> well, where would you go? I would go to the grocery store. Okay. Well, do you see my point? Some people come to me and they want me to fix their problems, but they're searching for in a freaking convenience store. What you've been doing lately, John, is going to a convenience store and actually looking for a gourmet meal to potentially go to one of the biggest decisions and situations ever in your life and asking your beautiful girlfriend to marry you. What is the what is the moral of the story that I'm trying to share with you? <laughs> and I usually say John to make yeah. sure I hit his name. What is the moral of the story that I'm sharing with you, John? Well, that I'm looking in the wrong place or I'm thinking about it differently. Yeah, stop looking. Exactly. But do you see how I came in indirectly with taking the pressure off myself? Right. There's no such thing as a solution to every fucking problem to be solved by a salesperson, but that's not your job. You don't need to solve every freaking problem. You're not a freaking, you know, a therapist. You're not there to solve the problem. You can't change the past. But you can change the way they look and how they approach such decision making, approach situations differently, making the right choices and decisions. You can choose. You can change that for them. Right. And again, so let's do this, John. Right. Right. Go ahead. And again, that that goes back to the standards, right? Going back to the to the part where you hold yourself to a certain standard and you hold that same client to that standard, right? And so, and and you can't be afraid of that either. Sometimes you got to call them out on their shit. I'd be like, you keep saying that a lot. Is that your go-to? Is that, why do you keep saying you can't afford something? You know, is that truly your go-to? And is that what you say with everything? What's, can, you, can you give me an example of something else that you felt like you can't afford? Mm-hmm. Walk me through that, right? It's like, you know, you, you don't have to, but again, you don't have to solve every freaking problem. 
you know, you're there to help them with objectively with whatever, whatever it is that you can help them with, but then giving them and educating them and giving them a well-rounded education throughout that process. And they truly feel like they can trust you and that you're somebody of authority. And especially if you give them something that can help them in other areas of their life indirectly, that person's going to be more inclined to listen to you and do whatever that, you know, whatever you tell them you want to do. Game of inches sales. Some would say, I say it's a game of millimeters because every millimeter I gain, I'm going to gain leverage. And what you're trying to do on that call is right from the beginning of jump street. Hello, this is Chris Ross from TCR consulting agency. How are you doing today? From that opening line, you're going to get them to a buying decision at some point. If you're able to establish how you want to be treated as a salesperson and how you're going to treat that potential buyer and making a decision, the value and the things you share with that person is only going to establish a certain relationship and it's called a buyer seller relationship. And based on a buyer-seller relationship is through their experience, through your product and services is going to change their potential life. I want everyone to pay attention very closely to what I'm about to say. This objection that Wes shared with me and said, I can't afford it. You know, I wasn't prepared to buy today or whatever it was. I mean, you see that I didn't really give a shit about the objections. I just went in. Here's the, here's the key, guys. And I want everyone to freaking pay attention. Does everyone remember the question in a statement that I had the agreement right in the beginning? Wes, I know you remember when I asked this question, what helps me be able to make my job and do it more efficiently is being able to ask questions and get the right information from you honestly and openly. During that time, when I asked that question, you agreed the second time that I asked that question. And I believe right now you're not being openly and honest with the questions that I'm asking you. Would that be a true statement or a false statement? Bam. <laughs> right. Now I'm going to hold them accountable because everything you say will be used against you in my sales game. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but I did stay at a oh, Holiday Inn Express last night, right? It, it doesn't fucking matter to me. What's going to matter to me is that the way that I look at it, it might need to be the product and service might not be the right fit for you. However, I am going to push you in the right direction and make sure that you understand that you're looking at things in a wrong way. Maybe you can't right. afford it. Maybe you fucked up your credit. Like, I don't know. I, I can't, right. I can't That's change right. the past. I can't, right. but I will change your, the way that you look at things. Absolutely. Because and what you framed from the beginning, which is the, the, them giving you completely authentic answers and being truthful with you. What that allows you to do now is be able to ask the question, is that really what you're afraid of? Is, are you truly afraid of not being able to afford it? Or is it something else? Be honest with me. Right. Right. Like, What's really holding you back? Mm -hmm. I thought we were further down the road, John, than we, we, we were. I mean, I'm actually pretty shocked that you would bring up this with me at this time. I mean, there's something that it must maybe I didn't do with you. Maybe I assumed that you're the type of student that we're looking for here. And students at this time usually don't come, come to me and share with me that, they can't afford things. I thought we've already established in previous meetings or previous trainings, whatever your curriculum is in your sales process. I thought we've already established that the type of people that I'm looking for. And the reason why I even was open to have a call with you is that you could be the type of student that is not going to let something like that stand in their way. Am I not getting the right information or something else that you would like to share with me at this time? And don't speak. 
don't speak. But let's, it goes back to my a beginning opening line, Wes. Why is confidence so important? If I was if I wasn't confident in my approach, could I be able to do that effectively? No, you would just get sucked into the bullshit every time. Every time. Yeah, absolutely. I I like to give them just one expert tip real quick, and that is that when when you understand your process and you understand your buyers very well, you know what those objections are. You understand what those common objections are. Take those objections and create it within your sales process and the things that you will go over with clients to and to have that piece in there where you are, you know, heading off those objections before they ever come up. So part of your process and the way that you are going to help the client is going to also break down all of those objections so they can't give them to you. And you do that by framing certain things like Chris did in the beginning of, you know, being completely truthful. And then also including with some of your language and how you are going to, you know, the path you're going to take this client on is going to include heading off those objections. So you can't afford something. I'm going to tell you that within my process, we're going to actually break down a, a very realistic and specific budget for them that's going to help them be able to actually make that type of an investment into whatever it is and do it the right way so that they can actually see the type of, you know, uh, effect or result that they're looking for from that. Right. So I, you can you can head all of these things off. Right. And have a, a truly a bolted down type of process that that will ensure that anybody who even picks up the phone and gets on the phone with you is not going to be able to throw up certain objections that are going to give you those curveballs, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, I can't agree anymore. I hope everyone's paying attention to all this and agree, address, move on. Those are the biggest three steps to overcoming anything on a call is agree. And sometimes you agree to disagree. Wouldn't you agree, Wes? <laughs> Sounded funny. <laughs> yeah, I sure would. <laughs> and then I'm going to address the situation. Doesn't mean I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to address the situation. What does addressing situation mean to you, Wes? That's bringing, bringing it to, that's bringing it to light, but more so acknowledging. Addressing to me is acknowledging, not, not solving. Yeah, there's a big pink elephant standing behind you. I'm going to address, I see that big pink elephant. However, we're going to move on through this process and I'm going to teach you later how to stab that pink elephant. Okay. Would you agree that Right. I just, right. I just, he's actually blue. Right. Yeah. And have I established enough trust with you to trust in, you know, my experience and my expertise that I've done this before? Can I, can I get their agreement that I've established enough trust with you at this time? And they're like, yeah, I ask a lot of stupid questions, but it's leading them to the end result. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I want everyone to imagine that you have the top five people you spend the most light your, your time with. Okay. And sometimes those are the biggest things that stop you and prevent you from being successful in life. And that's a whole other topic. But say, for instance, you bring your top five people that you spend the most time with that you know that they're a ride and die for you. What I'm going to do, and just say, for instance, and we'll name them your objections. Your first friend, you would like to speak to your wife or your partner or your husband. Next one is, I'm not ready to make a decision yet. The next third friend of yours is, it's too expensive. We've all heard that one before. The fourth one is, I'll come back tomorrow with an answer. <laughs> the fifth one is, I could buy it cheaper online. These are the top five for me. Okay. So what I'm going to do and a great salesperson is going to do is expose all the flaws and all these objections and us all your friends. And by the time we get you to a buying decision, 
you're never you're not going to have them around. It's going to get rooms going to get real quiet because I'm going to use my silence as my biggest freaking weapon. Wes, I believe at this time, there's nothing really more to cover with you. Would you agree? Like, why do you feel that it's important for you to understand that this is the best decision for you moving forward? I'm assuming since you're listening to this, you want to improve your sales game. Well, I'm going to help you. But first, before we can improve, we must admit when we are weak. Everyone needs to improve in some area in their techniques or methods. Being aware on where you can improve is just as important on how great you are in certain areas. In order to make the shift from good to great as a salesperson, you have a choice to make. A choice to stick with it and get better despite all odds against you. Or just ring the bell and go home. Either way, I'm still going to be doing what I'm doing because I get so much fulfillment from sharing some of the methods and techniques that I have developed over the years. This takes hard work and dedication. This is not easy. So if you're listening to this and you're having a hard time connecting the dots, reach out to my team. We're not too hard to find. Stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to dive a little deeper into the framework on how to position and frame your questions to get the results that we receive on a consistent basis. The only way for you to truly understand and make a shift from good to great as a salesperson, you need to have a deep understanding of what your buyer is going through as they navigate through the purchasing process. Think about this big picture. Learn to experience it through their eyes on how you're selling and what you're selling. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, guys. Hope you got tons of value from this. Let's go win our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win-Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.